Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode 137. I'm Hirshan Jordan and joining me today we have Mark Larson, who is the co-founder and CEO at Bright Star Studios. How's it going, Mark? It's going well. How's it going, John? Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, it's good. Good. So uh, obviously uh, you are best known for Ember Sword and... Uh, Got to that stage in the in the sort of the, the blockchain game cycle where there's, there's a sort of not that many um, sort of a handfulish maybe getting on for ten games that have been around since 2018. You're, you're sort of one of them. Um, some have fallen by the wayside <laughs> during that sort of long period of time. Oh yeah. Um, but it's, it's it's an interesting sort of a sort of cohort of, uh, of of games and stuff's really ramping up for you at the moment, which we'll get onto. But um, uh, maybe we should learn a bit more about you to begin with. So you've had a sort of interesting career in games. So do you want to give us a bit of a sort of point of history about what you've been up to and and I guess uh, how that led you to um, start uh, Bright Star Studios. Of course, and thank you. So yeah, I mean, pretty much been playing with computers since I called in Texas Instrument I-99. Oh, so wow. quite, I had the, <laughs> quite had the whole journey. Commodore 64, Amiga, you know, all the consoles, the rise of the mobile phones and everything up. So it's been quite interesting. It kind of, I have an engineering background, but I kind of fell into playing uh, games and kind of got discovered in terms of, playing them like Counter-Strike. So I actually played on the Counter-Strike team when I was younger, mm -hmm. used to compete and travel the world with a Danish team uh, called Spirit Amiga. It's a long time ago now, the early 2000s and up. And then after that, kind of fell into playing World of Warcraft, where I got some of the ideas for today from as well. Uh, helped co-found two number one teams there. We used to be uh, world champions for <laughs> for a really, really long time, uh, mm -hmm. two years and three months undefeated. Uh, learned a lot there. Um, especially by doing, we did all the events for Blizzard for at the time, like Gamescon, Geekcon, uh, the Worldwide Invitational in Paris. So I had quite a stint there. Uh, created also, after that, so I kind of got into thinking that, you know, I should start making games again, as I did when I was younger. So I created a bunch of different games, uh, had a bunch of releases on Steam, some medieval games, fighting games. Also had a stint in browser games, as kind of some of this again comes from, from as you can feel from Ambassador here. Uh, made a couple of engines along the way as well, both for web and for desktop. So yeah, <laughs> kind of been kind of been all over the place there. Learned a lot from it, um, both with publishers and mm. no investors, and kind of traveling the world. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of funny. The um, I mean, I guess maybe lots of people in games have sort of gone through sort of a, a roughly uh, sort of parallel thing. But I think a lot of the people in in sort of blockchain have come from that sort of MMO RPG thing. I mean, again, maybe that's because just a lot of people played it, but obviously. That's yeah. sort of those games are sort of you can see, you can see how block. I think it's very easy to see how blockchain sort of fits into those more persistent worlds. And I guess it's also maybe this is more of an aside. It's kind of interesting the uh, um, uh, the sort of professional esports thing. So, uh, so Alex from uh, Sky Mavis was also I think he was a CS:GO player. I think a pro CS:GO player. Uh, it's Dota. Is it Dota? Was it okay? Yeah. So there's yes. inter interesting sort of sort of sort of th threads in there. Um, oh yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and I guess one thing that I, I will actually bring up because I was looking, looking, look, looking you up at LinkedIn, um, and and you were sort of very in US. A lot of your projects before Embassy seemed to be about sort of a sort of browser-based sort of sort of games as a, as, a, as a sort of a platform. Um, and I guess that sort of plays oh, yeah, into something. Yeah, that's plays into something that um, I think you know, has come through more strongly in recent years for Embersword, which is not about the game, it's about your streaming platforms. I thought at some point we would talk about that, so we might as well talk about it now. So um, can you talk a little, little bit about what, so why you, um, you know, for you, why you think sort of the browser is maybe a little bit underrated and why, why you think it's a, it's a strong technology for what you want to do with Embersword and talk a bit about the, the engine you've been building up. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So I say it sort of started out with um, been trying to build engines 
in the way that you could stream in large worlds because yeah. one of the limitations of a lot of these engines is that you can't really make this like a live and big world and there has to be downtime all these different things. Mm. So through then falling into doing the browser games, we again discovered that it's really, really hard to make uh, like more AA games in these and kind of make them run in that. So yeah. a lot of the other um, things you kind of use to create games are just aren't really good enough to create something that's really big and beautiful in that mm. regard. And as I see it, I see the browser as like a terminal. So if you actually got the, um, the infrastructure and everything to it, you can pretty much load everything up, you know, and you can just mm. stream it in continuously. So for me, I see the future as, you know, you don't even need an OS. I mean, why do you need an operating system? Because we mm. just load out the browser directly and then stream in all the programs, right? Mm. I think that's where we're going in the future. So from learning those things, from making the browser games, where we kind of did the same thing. I was a part of the, that emergence of what you call IO games. You know, like a Gary Unstater and those type of games, made some games there as well, or some of the first ones. Um, that's kind of where the idea come from from Amazon as well, that you should be able to get into a game without actually, you know, having to register anything, just type in the name, get in there and play, because mm. why have barriers to entry? You know, that's one of the things for Amazon as well. Like, we don't need a, we need a wallet to play. We need to sign in. Just go in there and play. And then if you want to go advanced and use some of these, like, features, then you can. You know, that's up to you. Mm. It's kind of the things you like about it. But actually, when we started out, uh, we were working with another company, a big engine company, uh, who are looking to make, like, a more sleek version of the engine where they could facilitate these things like loading the game in the browser and print out any device that you wanted to. But unfortunately, they came back to us in like 20, late 2022, and they said, hey, mm -hmm. sir, we can't do this. You're on your own. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah. <laughs> then we had to opt in to either make the game a downloadable desktop game again, which we didn't really want to. So we thought, well, let's make our own engine. You know, mm. we're crazy. So. <laughs> yeah, so we did. And now it's actually working quite well. And it's uh, way faster than pretty much the other engines and can facilitate mm. pretty much any game in the browser. So something like the new Zelda game would be perfect for our signal leads in the browser. And we have the same performance as you do in the other ones. Mm. So how the engine actually works is that, um, for example, the engine itself is around like 3.5 megabytes. So we're actually really, really good at compressing things and making them super small and efficient. Yeah. Okay. And the game itself, Imposter, for example, is around, like just around 30 megabytes. Okay. So uh, yeah, so it's really, really efficient. Um, of course, what we're doing is quite new. So we actually don't train or learn in the university how to program like this yet. Mm. So we believe that's like an inflection point for the future where you're going to start programming for these new ways. And we're kind of like optimizing more towards the CPU. So if you go back to around the 2000s, there's kind of been this split where memory or RAM, they kind of been stagnant, you know, just going steady, 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 whereas the CPU has been going up, 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 up. Mm -hmm. So if you more utilize that, you can get more performance out of the entire system. That's kind of what we're doing. So Amazon can run on any device, anywhere in the world, mm -hmm. within about 10 seconds. We want to send a guy to an Arctica and actually load the game up <laughs> and we're about to release. That's for sure that it actually works anywhere. As long as you have a 3D plus connection, it's, it's yeah. going to be really, really well. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess it's, I guess it's always the there's always strengths and weaknesses of different technologies. So you sort of, you sort of get around the dis, the distribution part, but then obviously you, yes. you, you do need you do need a, a, a relatively robust connection, I suppose. So that's um... uh, well, I mean, as long as you have 3D plus connection, you can play okay. the game. So mm -hmm. the, the cool thing about it is actually that the engine will only stream what you need. So yeah. if you're walking in some sort of game, it'll just stream what's around you, and like if you're clicking forward, it streams what's coming in front of you. Okay. So, and it's not cloud gaming, it's actually instant gaming, which means mm. you're actually streaming the actual concepts. So as opposed to cloud gaming, where you're putting an input on your keyboard, it mm. sends that input to a data center somewhere else yeah. far away, renders the video and sends the mm. video back to you. That's super slow, 
super laggish, you know, you can't really be competitive with it. So that's what kind of what we wanted to eliminate. Yeah. And we have some super, super good engineers to do it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And just again, as another aside, um, you're not the only blockchain company doing this because Mythical actually <laughs> made an uh, uh, acquisition, I think about two years ago, of a UK company called, I think, Polystream. And they're doing a similar. I think they're more on the cloud side, maybe, than the compression side. But I know yeah. with, with, with Blancos, they're looking to do a similar release where oh, yeah. where that's currently a PC client game that you have to download the whole gigabytes of stuff. Um, and, and yes, move, and that's what you don't have to here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so different ways to uh, sort of get to the same thing. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I guess it, more generally, the, the trend there is that you know we've blockchain games in in general we've had sort of a, one big hit and then one big sort of come down again. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. dis- distribution seems to be one of the sort of issues. You know, Steam you can't really use at the moment, and people are going, "Well, we use we use Epic Game Store," but that's not, that, that's not really um, uh, taken off yet. And App Store's sort of sort of more, becoming more acceptable, but still rules and conditions and obviously you know with what you guys have you basically own the whole thing so you can sort of, you can do what you like exactly <laughs> so, yeah so plus, plus you know uh, i dealt with these like kind of like browser sites before as a part yeah. of a uh, site had 28 million users yeah. so it's a really really good way to actually funnel users into your projects and that's why yeah. i really really believe hard in this as of course we can do a latem we can do apac we can do sea we can do all these regions where you normally can't have these type of games because they have to download like 150 yeah. gigabytes or more mm. and you need really, really good computers to actually just play it, you know. Yeah. Or again, that without technology, you can use on like a mid to low end computer and it'll still run really, really well. Mm. Yeah, cool. Okay, so we've done sort of the, sort of the sort of back end engine tech, which is uh, I find interesting, but probably not the thing people come to this podcast <laughs> to, 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 with an Embersword podcast to, to hear about. So, let, so let's talk a bit about sort of Embersword. So um, as you say, you, the, the sort of the first um, sort of, uh, yeah, so announced in probably, was it sort of summer of 20, 2018 or so I'm thinking, but yeah. certainly 2018 was sort of the concept. I think the concept has pretty much stayed the same, but maybe you'd be the person to ask about Somewhat. that. So, 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 so what's <laughs> yeah. the, what's the sort of the, the core element to, to, to Embersword and, and how over the sort of five years have you, have you sort of modified what, what, what you want? Of course. To I mean, it kind of blends in a bit to, you know, of course, the whole thing. I got the idea when I kind of started reading more into like you know, the, the coming of NFTs and the kind of like yeah. transfer value and that stuff like that. So when I was playing World of Warcraft and some of these other games, I mean, even Counter Strike, you trade for you know a lot of money, yeah. and you know those items, items in World of Warcraft were being sold for like a hundred thousand, um, and people would get banned. You know, yeah. uh, and we kind of thought that the idea was that you know we'd be doing it on the blockchain, it would be transparent, that people can see it. So if we try and cheat the users, then you know it won't be possible. But uh, other than that, it's also the fact that, of course, with ownership. So if you can, if you play, I'll take World of Warcraft as an example. <laughs> if you played that, you see some of the cities, like the capitals, they never changed. You know, mm. you could play it for decades, and yeah. it must be the, the same blacksmith, the same NPCs, yeah. like the same things going on all the time. And we thought that it would be a great idea to let the players own these places. And, you know, the fact that it's on the chain means we can't cheat them. We can, like, they can see if we're doing something that they don't like and that's mm. malicious. That's what I really like about it, because I've always seen that a lot of these companies usually don't do well by their users. I mean, there's another example from where there was the skin with another big company that was really popular, and they made it again, and that really devaluated mm-hmm. what they were doing, you know? And I kind of feel that it cheesed the users a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, by doing it this way, that would be much better, I think. And that's the idea of it is. So people own land, they cultivate land, and since it's also accessible in the browser, these things that you normally buy um, like for a website, you can just buy it on a piece of land. So yeah. like you want a premium shop, you know, you can place it on your land. 
people can buy a name change, they can buy like maybe some sort of change towards the character, and we split some of this with the user who has the piece of land. That's kind of the idea. So we're kind of funneling everything into the land owners and everybody who's a part of the world. Mm, yeah. And in terms of, because you mentioned it in a sort of slightly different context that you want this game to be sort of, you know, as accessible as possible, but clearly sort of yeah. part of that is, you know, you know, this is not a game and I think the whole industry has moved away from, you need an NFT to play this game. That's not really, that's not really helpful to anyone. No. Um, so, so, you know, how would you, from, from that sort of blockchain side of things, how would you sort of um, describe what you're, what you're trying to do that, you know, because I guess you, you want to make a game that some people can just rock in and play and not probably spend any money and have a good time because you want that sort of big audience and, and people don't like spending money. But equally, you want the fact that you're going to step up and actually own something to have sort of, you know, importance and significance in the, in, in, in the game as well. So, so how, how, how are you thinking about in terms of that balance? First, I mean, first of all, you don't need land to play no. to play the game. You don't need anything to play the game. Just go yeah. in and play. Uh, you don't need a wallet. You don't need to mm. take anything into consideration. Just go in and play and try it out. And that's kind of what we like about it. Like no barriers to entry. Mm. So land is more about if you're looking to be a part of the game world to okay. facilitate these different things. That, like you can place resources. You can available for quests. You know, you can okay. play, place premium shops. And of course, you get a title and get some other cool things. But there's no pay to win the game at all. Yeah. So it's basically vanity items, and we're going really, really hard on cosmetics. So, you know, like mm -hmm. emotes and skins and these other things. Mm -hmm. um, and let's say that, like, we release a set amount every month, depending on how many players in the game. Those things have to be found through events like PvP, PvE, or achievements, etc. and then you can trade them. If you want to trade these, you go to a piece of land, you open up, like, an auction house or marketplace, and you trade it with another user. And again, there's a small fee, and that fee we split with not just... Um, mm -hmm. the local landowners and the person who owns the piece of land, but the global pool also gets shared with them as well. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the idea is kind of to funnel about like, you know, it's half of it is going to go back to the community. Okay. And you're cur you currently got your second land sale live and you've sort of approached or you have exactly approached land sales in a slightly different way to other companies where you sort <laughs> of have this sort of bidding system. So do you want to explain a little bit about technically how it works and why you've sort of chosen that, which I don't think any other game has done that. So. <laughs> no, 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 not so far. I think that when we're looking at, in the beginning, when we're looking at what the others were doing, we yeah. saw that a lot of speculators, so people who just wanted to flip it, just make yeah. money right away, right? Mm. They were kind of taking everything, they're using bots to just get in there and buy all of it. So mm. we wanted to kind of figure out a way to kind of stop that. And we thought that doing applications where people mm. had to say, hey, I would like this land or like this this sort of land. Like we got regular plots, we got settlements, we got towns, we got cities. And you kind of say like, why do you want these? Yeah. And explain us like, what do you want to do with them? And then we vet these people. So we have really, really high degree of gamers and like gaming guilds, organizations, mm -hmm. and esports organizations that actually want to come in here and build a cool experience for everybody to play and try. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important. Like even for the one we have right now, like wave one, our application is already closed. It's looking really, really good. Okay. Uh, it's we already, already? Like, wait. No, just okay. for wave one. So there's going to be wave, wave two one, as well. Okay. Yeah, so wave one was the applications. Yeah. It's already way oversubscribed. Yeah, so yeah. it's looking really, really good. Hmm. Um, it's definitely going to sell out wave one. And we've got wave two that's starting at the 20, uh, 31st okay. of July here. And it's open to anybody, where it's kind of like more of a free fall. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, it's sort of... Yeah. I, I, I can see your, the, your sort of idea that there's sort of speculators. <laughs> speculators, you know, like we see that every part of your human uh, ec you know, uh, economics when Taylor Swift puts tickets on sale, <laughs> you know, something happens. So, but um, it, 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 it is sort of funny that for a blockchain game, you're sort of, you're sort of have, people are having to um, 
uh, sort of justify what they're going to do. I mean, there, there, there seems some sort of irony there. And obviously, it's a, it's a bit, is, it, is it not a big overhead for you guys to have to look through all these applications and sort of judge? <laughs> well, this this person says this, this person says this. I mean, oh, yeah, just, I mean, it's interesting. Here it is. I mean, last time we had to hire an external company to look through it and it took a couple of weeks for them to kind of tell mm. their ring through it. They had to put on like a ton of people to just read through it fast enough. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it is a lot of extra work. But I feel like, you know, we want to do this. We want to do this right. That's mm-hmm. also why that we're, like, we haven't sold everything. So, you know, yeah. we still have two nations to go. We still have a little bit left of the first nation here. I mean, we could have sold everything when we wanted yeah. to back before, but it just feels disingenuous to do. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of other projects just sell everything as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But we want to manage expectations. We also want to show that, you know, we're not here to do a, a cash grab or something like yeah. that. You know, we're selling it when it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it is just going to go, you know. Yeah, okay. And in terms of at the moment, um, is land is your only asset that's that's sort of live? How you th- is is land the only NFT? How are you thinking about that? More uh, well, I mean, we we do have from before we have badges, which is okay. uh, a way to to get tokens when they go live. Okay, it was our way to kind of bring in because of course the the last land thing we had uh, back when it was uh, different times, we had yeah. two hundred three million. Committed in yeah. pledges. So, yeah, yeah. in order to kind of make sure that people have got something out of it, we, we thought they will give some badges and they can get a really, really good, you know, uh, offer on the tokens instead. Okay. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we are looking to do cosmetics as well. We're going to okay. do some of them soon, TM. Okay. Um, and you do have, I mean, it's sort of interesting. I think it's always interesting when people have live assets and people are buying sort of new assets. So, so obviously, the first, the first one, Whenever you a couple of years ago you release those, those are you know live on the blockchain. If people want to buy them, they can just go to you know marketplaces and, and, and buy them. Yeah. So uh, when you have that sort of situation, how do you think about uh, sort of differentiating? You got a whole bunch of land out there, there's some new land. How, how do you sort of differentiate that, and how do you sort of think about pricing? Because obviously you have live assets that have a floor price. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we we did a lot of research in the beginning. We looked yeah. at what everybody else did, and then we just kind of let it up be up to the markets. Know yeah. what they were kind of offered and do, and so far it seems to work out. Um, I think I think the idea is, of course, that we wanted everybody to have a nice experience of it. You know, yeah. so we always wanted to do like, when we sell it, we always wanted to kind of be below uh, the market mm-hmm. price, so people always have a chance to to get a positive experience out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite important. Again, when I look at some of the other ones, it's, it's usually the other way around. You know, mm-hmm. when you buy something, it's usually lower on the open market. Yeah. And for us, I think that. We like it the other way around, you know. Mm. This feels like it, it creates a better community. It gives better sentiment all around for everybody. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So enough of NFTs. <laughs> so we haven't really oh. got in, 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 into the game. So, so you're, uh, I guess I would call it as like an action RPG. Would that be sort of the correct sort of um, in terms of the sort of gameplay element? Uh, come again. Sorry. We, an action uh, RPG is sort of the core sort of sort of gameplay element. Yes. I'd say. Um, and sort of where are you in where are you in development? Because obviously this is a you know you have as we discussed you have different sort of tech parts that you're building out and um, and these sort of games in general are you know big projects and take a, take multiple multiple years to do. You you had oh, yeah. a you, I think you had a or you did have a um, sort of a, an open test probably about a couple of months ago, didn't you? So yeah, you're starting starting to get to that phase now where you you, you think you've got sort of something that's coherent enough that people yeah. can come in and kick the tires. Yeah, of course, when we had to do the engine, of course, there was a little bit we had to port over things and start over yeah. some of it again. But, I mean, in essence, of course, I can say that, you know, we've taken all the features we love, mm-hmm. from all of the games, put it in Sabersort, you know, we're going to make it easy to play, hard to master, 
It's yeah. uh, really about being social. So we're testing mm-hmm. some of these things out. In April, we had around I think, four, over 14,000 play sessions. We had 92% uh, recommendation rate people would recommend it to a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, here we had a lot of like the early holders right in there. So when you hold land or you hold a badge, you, know, you, mm-hmm. you have a chance to give us feedback, you have a chance to participate in development, because these are the people that are going to run it later. So mm-hmm. same thing here, you know, you, you get a lot of benefits out of it, of course. So um, we, we're looking to do more tests this year as well. Every time we do, like on the other one in April, we learned a lot. Uh, we have a lot of changes coming in, like movement, all these different things that are coming in mm-hmm. that people commented on. That's, mm-hmm. It's going to look really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the game is sort of like a blend of ARPG and MOBA. So like a bit of Diablo, like a little blend of like Dota and these things, and then put it in the MMO world. We kind of felt that that worked really well. And I can see that, you know, it's, it's something that's definitely catching on. I see a lot of these kind of like different projects kind of doing somewhat a little bit of the same nowadays. But mm. I, I feel, do feel that we have quite an advantage here. Since again, you know, going back to the technology is that, you know, you can just type in a URL here and you can play it on pretty much anything. Yeah. Whereas the other ones, you still have to download probably like 150 gigabytes, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so- are you, are you at the stage yet where you sort of in your head? I'm sure it's not public yet, but um, you, you sort of have a, have a you know like a line in the sand where you have some sort of this is oh, yeah. this is our look, release. Yes, we're looking towards like a close beta by the end of the year, start okay. of next year, kind of like how it looks. Then after that, we're going to gradually open up the game to more and more players okay. uh, until it goes into full release. Okay, so so not that. I hesitate. Not, not, not that, that far away, off, no. But, but, uh, no. no. <laughs> and, and then, of course, I guess once you have these sort of... The, the problem with these sort of games is it takes a long, a long time to build. And once you build them, <laughs> then everyone, everyone's like, yeah. more content straight away. So so I guess as you're getting to the stage of we can sort of see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, how do you then think yeah. about um, sort of future content and, and, and you know, what sort of stuff? Of course. I can say that also we have like a really cool thing coming out soon. It's going to be a dungeon. It's going to come out this year for people okay. to kind of try and see how some of the features work, some how mm-hmm. some NPCs work and the dynamic systems. Okay. So we want content to be fresh, which means that it will always change kind of around like the, the different encounters change a bit, stuff like mm-hmm. that, change it around. So kind of keep it fresh with something that we felt was missing a bit from other games. So what we're doing right now is that we're looking towards the first nation, Solowood. Once Solowood is out, we have uh, more nations that's going to come out. So mm. the idea is to each year, there's going to be a new nation coming out and then we're going to, you know, we're going to first test it, open it up, and then we're going to add nation. And then each year will be a new nation and new things that people do and to try. And then eventually it's going to round out to this one big world where people can traverse around it. Mm. And when you say nation, is that just sort of more, sort of artistic biome sort of thing or how are you thinking about? Um, well, what I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, yes, well, it's actually an entire new faction. And, yeah. There's of course a lot of lore in the game, and they have like these different strife and strife in the game, depending on who you are. The first one is Solowood, which is maybe the more like familiar, like Forest Lush, uh, and mm. kind of like a bit like the alliance that's always here in like any sort of any sort of game always has an alliance of some sort, you know, yep. which is sort of like what, what this is. And then the other ones has you have one called Duskground, which is more like a sandy, like red sands, and more like the bandit types, a little bit of Mad Max in there. Then we have uh, mm. Itso. Which is more like the the techno Vikings and the cool ones there, mm-hmm. and then we have uh, another nation called Severant, which is more like a jungle biome stuff like. That. Okay. So, but they all have different different resources, uh, different weapons, you know, different characters, different everything, pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. different political systems, different leaders. Okay. There's a whole story to it. Okay, cool. So, so, you, so, you, so from that point of view, you've got plenty of you've got at least a few years of, <laughs> of, of sort of uh, unlocking it. 
to, to go on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of ideas for that as well. So yeah. once they're all out, we also want to add more. So one of the cool things we can do again, mm. kind of really back to our technology, is that yeah. we can actually update a lot of the game without taking it down. So okay. through our technology, we can we don't need to do patches. So if we do to update in database or something like that, sure, we might do a restart. But in terms of the game content, we can actually update it on the fly. So we don't have to wait. You know, some of these other games, you have downtime or maintenance yeah. every week. You know, for like a day, we don't have that here. Cool. Good. Um, and I guess it's because you guys have been around so long, and it's sort of interesting, I think, to see, see all the trends. I mean, how have you felt being CEO of a company that, as you say, you know, when you did your last <laughs> land sale, it was like everything was like rosy, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is this is brilliant." And obviously, you know, <laughs> now at the moment, everything, everything's all oh, yeah. and we're all falling apart. I mean, how how you know? Because no matter what's happening in the in that sort of wider world, you know, you've got I don't know how, what your headcount is. Uh, based in Denmark, um, uh, yeah, you know, you just just around the Second. Oh, we're leaning towards eighty. Eighty. So that's, I mean, that's so you have to pay almost eighty people, no, no matter where, whether Bitcoin's at sixty thousand or, or twenty thousand. So, <laughs> so how, how what's that? What's that been like? Because that's I think often underestimated when people get very focused on the game, but obviously the the company side of it is is that allows you to make the game you want to make. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I would say, of course, we didn't start up in eighty. It's kind of like a slow, gradual yeah. going up there, of course. But yeah, I mean, we kind of been here through everything. We've been here through, you know, through COVID. COVID again, there's been wars, there's been everything, you know, uh, there's been, been all the all, you know, the, the crashes, the, the FTX, like all the bad actors and all the stuff like yeah. that. So but we're still here. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I wouldn't say it's been easy. It's been yeah. quite tough, of course, and it still is. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, navigating that is, is incredibly draining, of course. And, but I believe in the project, I believe in the people we have, and I'm sure that, you know, we'll reach that point where we need to. Of course, you have to make some tough choices along the way, but mm. you know that, that's kind of like what you have to do with any sort of company, I'd say. And with any new tech, there's always kinks that need to be worked out. But you now, if we scale sustainably and make the right decisions for the community, I think that everything will be good. Mm-hmm. And, and and generally, how have you sort of felt? You know, you've worked in the games industry you know, for, for for a long time, and um, obviously, probably this time last year, the the industry was very hostile to blockchain. I think some of that has sort of <laughs> come away a little bit, but um, I still don't think. It's, you know, it's more like blockchain games, oh, almost like ignored now. I think. I mean, do, yeah, do, I think so. Yeah, I mean, do you think that's going to just take a long time to 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 get accepted? Yeah, I think that what we need is like we we need. Well, first of all, of course, the whole user experience, like we just mm. talked about. Like, if you're asking for people to connect a wallet right away, like the first thing in yeah. the game, I think that's a huge mistake. You're going to lose most of your potential players mm. right away. We need to create products that ease people into this. And I think we need to stop treating, like we need to stop putting blockchain front and center. Like it's a technology. Like I'm not, I'm not advertising that I'm using Microsoft Access database or something like that, right? Yeah. For, for, for publishing a game. So I think that if we let that be in the background, then people would slowly understand that there is benefits here. I mean, as a gamer, I understand. I mean, personally, when I found out about Bitcoin, like right away, it was used for Silk Road, you know, for yeah. <laughs> for illegal means. And I discounted it right away. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's some stupid illegal coin used for crime and all this stuff. But eventually, a couple of years after, I actually read into it, found the white paper, was and was like, hey, this actually makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding here in terms of what's good and what's not good. It kind of feels to me a bit like, you know, free to play, how that came about, you know, people really, really against it to begin with. They, they like just to pay for things right away. So I think that eventually as we get more and more products out there, that's actually good. That's doing it in the right way. 
yeah. I think that the sentiment will automatically change. Uh, I think the only constant is that with any sort of new technology, we are always underestimating the enormous impact that it will have. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you? Yeah. I mean, based based in Denmark, which is, I mean, uh, I don't think it's a sort of the. It doesn't strike me as somebody that's really sort of crypto um, sort of enthusiastic. I mean, has, have you had any? What's, it, what's the atmosphere like being a games company? There's some big games companies in oh. in, in Denmark. <laughs> But what's it like being a sort of blockchain company? There is that fairly easy to operate? Is you feel like it's a, a good, good place to be, uh, ooh, or just where question. you are? I suppose. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the company is kind of global, so okay. we're kind of in it all over the place. Like, you have somebody in Australia, you have somebody in Hawaii, we have people in the US, so mm-hmm. we're quite remote. We do have offices around as well. We have two in Denmark, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, but I think, yeah, it's probably not the easiest. I think that still on a like on a local level, there's still a lot of anti-sentiment and through that you get excluded from a lot of things. There is bagel out there, of course, uh, which is quite nice. Uh, but overall, I don't think, I do feel there's, there's less of, there's less support than being a normal gaming company than a normal. I mean, I, I mean frankly, I think that there's not, nothing different with this. Like we're not doing anything that's particularly new. People have been trading things in games since the dawn of time. It's a billion dollar market. Uh, changing that to another type of technology to bring out in the open. I don't see why that's bad or, or why anybody would be against it. It sounds ludicrous to me. Mm-hmm. And as a gamer, I think that people would understand if you know Torrents. I mean, it's basically like Torrents, you know, this distributed network, but it's just nodes here instead that's doing the transfers and, and figuring out, like, is these people trustworthy? Like, is it the right person sending from A to B and then, you know, doing the transfer? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that maybe we just need to educate people better. Um, of course, I mean, there's a lot of bad actors out there and it's a good thing to be skeptic. You know, bad actors aren't good for the industry, so they will need to be discovered. You know, the industry as a whole kind of needs to prop up projects that are helping players understand the benefits of blockchain. Yeah. And I think that that's lagging a bit, especially on the, uh, on the media side, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> cool, excellent. So um, for people who, who want to uh, sort, of, sort of check out what's going on and, and, and look at what's coming next, where, where's the best place to go? Is Discord, I, Discord, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Discord is definitely good. You know, there's got the GD slash Embersort. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, go to Embersort.com. We have a white paper up. Uh, right now, we have the land sale as well. There's a lot to read there. Um, I think that the white paper covers pretty much everything. It goes into the technology, goes into you know the company and behind it, who we are. Mm. Um, you know that is a labor of love. Mm. Uh, it's people who played MMORPGs for life. We have a lot of people in the company who actually uh, found their spouses and partners through through MMOs as well. So we're quite familiar with the social aspect, and that's kind of what we're trying to get in there in the game. Mm. Um, and yeah, I would say Amazon.com. That's probably the best way to get it. Yeah, yeah. And um, is it is there anything? Uh... In terms of sort of dated, in terms of when the next playtest will be, is it is that just in the next few months, Ooh. or do we? Well, we, towards towards the end of the year, end of the year. Uh, it will definitely be there. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to work it out as fast as possible. There's always going to be a few kinks here and there, of course, yeah, but yeah. that's kind of what we're working towards. Cool, good, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Mark. Oh, perfect, John. Thank you for having me. I will have to have to, have to have you back again when the uh, maybe start of next year when 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 we actually uh, can spend a bit more time in in, in the world and, and, and pick up what's going on there. So um, cool. Oh, yeah, happy to. I mean, <laughs> cool. And thanks to you uh, for watching, uh, for listening to the podcast, whoever you are consuming it. Every episode, we're talking to people who are building this this sort of brand new way of of making games, playing games, being involved in games, which I personally think is fascinating, and I hope you do too. Um, so uh, come back next time and see what's going on. See you then. Goodbye.